You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. weird not having the music playing well in post-production it will be there i hope it is stop's gonna have to work his magic but he's sunning himself on the beaches of providenciales and the turks and caicos <laughs> boy i hope stop doesn't get back from his trip with the rubber boots podcast guys and expect that we are going to uh take him anywhere like that because i, I mean, we already took him to regina that was enough <laughs> I sent Duffy a text. I said, I'm working on the wrong podcast. Yeah. He, he brought his entire crew. And, yeah, we took stuff to Regina, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary. Duffy's not doing that. We're no. showcasing our country. That's we don't right. leave our country. Duffy's betraying our country. All our dollars we spend in Canada. Yeah, just in case people have no idea what we're talking about, uh, James Duffy hosts a podcast called The Rubber Boots Podcast. And he took that entire podcast crew, which includes Christoph. He also uh, produces James's podcast. Took him down to uh, a beautiful resort in the Turks and Caicos. I believe it is a Gansevoort uh, resort. Gansevoort. So, uh, his buddy looking, runs it or owns it? I don't care. So if you're uh, looking for a Gansevoort hookup, call Duffy. I don't think I have a single hotel or resort hookup in the world. Hotels.com. You're always talking about yeah. it. Hotels.com. They're great. You need to somehow become a spokesperson for Hotels.com because you are such a fan. Here it is. On a whim, I Hotels.com it up. I'm like, look at this availability. Mm-hmm. I want a four or five star. Boom. Got it. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you show up. It's fantastic. Sometimes I've been at the front desk of a hotel. I'm like, what's your rate tonight? They're like, I don't know, $500. I'm like, okay, well, boom. I'll walk back two minutes later. I got it for two fifty. They're like, okay, we can't do that. I'm like, <laughs> I, I have so many questions. Ah, I mean, Hotels.com might be taking a bath on that room so that you could take a bath in that room. <laughs> I have not taken a hotel room <laughs> bath in ages, unlike Stoff. I'm still floored that Stoff got to Regina, and one of the first things he did was take <laughs> a bath in a hotel bathtub. Just a soak in... An afternoon soak on the prairies with Kristoff. <laughs> That'd be a nice podcast. Kristoff's mm-hmm. afternoon soak. Soaked. <laughs> yeah, and it would be like, uh, I don't know, Mr. Bubble or something. Like, that would be the sponsor. Um, Does that still exist? You know, my Mr. mom Bubble? used to call it. She might still to this day. If you came in from outside and you were drenched, she'd be like, oh, you're soaked. You're Not s- soaked. You'd be like, you're soaked. You're soaked? <laughs> yeah, you're soaked. Maybe she was saying the D silent. Yeah. Or maybe she just missed that day <laughs> in class. She skipped the next day. She got soaked, and then they're like, all right, now if you are coming in from out in the rain, that would mean you're soaked. But she missed that class. Ah! Uh, big hey, day for you. It was a big day. Well, it was going to be a, one of the greatest days ever. Woke up this morning, um, so there's a new toll highway in Ontario called the 407. It's not new anymore. It's been there forever. Not forever. How long has the 407? So the 407 is a toll, one of our only toll highways in this province. I think it's the only. And it's fantastic. We are big fans. And of a new extension just opened up and it ends five minutes from my house. So I have been watching the construction of this highway forever. The lights have been on for a couple weeks now. I'm like, girls, any day now. This 407's opening up. 
today was the day. I hop in the car. They're like, that, is this like Christmas morning to you? Does it say I'm old? I was like giddy. You're excited. Because just to give, again, our listeners across the country some perspective, this will allow you to get across the city so much faster yes. from your home. And um, this, this is the gateway to the Kawarthas. So if you have a cottage in the Kawarthas, you're there 20 minutes sooner. Right. So much faster. And my, in my very limited experience driving the 407, there's never any cars on it. It's as if you have uh, awakened and the world has ended and there's zombies and you're the only one who has a car and you get on that highway. And it's like, it's so fun. It's, it's so much fun. It's like driving on a highway that you own. And the, this is a major, like this is a billion dollar project. Like right. this is a major highway. They, they've been putting in interchanges. Uh, someone told me it costs like $2 million per bridge and they put up like 200 bridges. Anyway, so today was the day I wake up to the news, 407's open and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. We uh, pop down the highway, but to get on it, the cones are still up. They had to have like an opening ceremony, so I didn't get to drive it yet. You get to drive it tomorrow? I guess. I have no need to drive it tomorrow. And I wanted to be one of the first on it. Now it's like all worn well, out. You could, you could have driven it to work tonight, couldn't you? I could have. But here's the thing. I've, I've got a loaner car from my uh, dealership because there's something wrong with a computer in my car. And I don't have my transponder, which you need. And I don't want to ding them for that. It's... Uh, I was only going to get on it for the new section, if that makes any sense. Seems like a lot to deal with. Your car is in the shop a lot. What is going on with it? Uh, the last time I was in, I was getting the winter tires on, and this time um, a light came on, and it was a computer malfunction, and they've got to put it through. <laughs> very technical. i got to read you this. Uh, sounds, like, uh, sounds like Genesis needs to send you a new car. <laughs> Uh, I don't like the new design of my car, though. He said, uh, uh, Dan, confirm the issues from the alternator flight recorder showed max voltage going through alternator, which is interfering with all-wheel drive ECU. Um, uh, this is, has to be run through the Toronto Diagnostic. So this, he's telling me things I can't dispute. Hmm. I can't. So you got a loaner car. No transponder for mm-hmm. that 407. Yeah, so... But would you be excited about going on a new highway? No. Oh. Hmm. I, I will say, though, that I am excited for you because this, this is a real big development in terms of the area of the province that you live in. Just the ease of access to get there on this 407, as you pointed out, to me... This is going to be a financial windfall for you in terms of real estate. I mean, people are going to be flooding to Orono. Right? They're going to be coming out. They're going to be buying houses. Mm-hmm. It, as I proposed when I went there, Orono should be pitching itself as a Hamptons-like weekend town mm-hmm. for uh, young couples, mm-hmm. uh, gay couples, couples who want to have a second home close to the city but don't want to drive three hours to a cottage and be in cottage traffic. You get on that 407, boom, you're there in like an hour. You're in the country. I drive right. by, I drive through farmer's fields. Not, I, there's roads through the fields. I don't off-road it through the farmer's fields. But I see apple trees all day, cornfields all day. I'm just, I, you would never know that I live near anywhere near Toronto. You should be the person to lead this campaign. And you should be the face of this campaign. Or no, come live by me. <laughs> we got a pizzeria coming in. 
Just a regular, just a no-name pizzeria or a big chain? It's called like Wackies or something. I don't know. <laughs> They're putting in the ovens today. <laughs> Wackies? Something like that. I don't know. I'll get the real name. Skizzies or... Is there a pizzeria in town? No. Oh, so this is, a, this is another big development. Man, a lot of good things happening for Orono right now. And you got in at the ground floor. Uh, We're going to be talking to someone who's um, got his name on the Welcome to Orono sign, Brian Bickle, because last week uh, there was controversy. Yes. So last week, very popular podcast. Can can we call up Brian? Can we? um... You know what's funny? We just got a tweet. Perfect. We just got a tweet from someone who said, who actually messaged, you know, included stuff on the tweet and said, I don't think the full podcast is up from last week. But it is. We just started it. Like, we just abruptly started the podcast as we were chatting with Patrick. And by the way, I would say get used to that. Like, we like starting the podcast that way. Just mm-hmm. chatting with, uh, if we happen to have someone in studio, chatting with them, getting mic'd up. And as soon as our mics are turned on, boom, that's the start of the podcast. So I think that's the confusion there. But Patrick's told, maybe you should give the background of the story that Patrick told. Um, so Patrick Sharp came on, uh, former Blackhawk uh, Stanley Cup winner, now NBC broadcaster. And he told some tales out of school because we always play rapid fire and we bring up former teammates of his. He tells us they tell a quick story or a quick anecdote. And one of them was about Brian Bickle, friend of the podcast and welcome to Orono sign name person. One of the tales was Brian fell asleep once on the bench during a game. That's right. Looked up, saw his line mates out there, hopped on. They got too many men because they were killing they a were penalty. They were killing a penalty. That's right. And the other story was everyone went to get car insurance, which <laughs> I found bizarre. Like, did the whole team go as a group to get car insurance? Yeah, I think maybe the implication from Patrick was that there was some sort of deal or something. Yes. So they all went to get it. And Patrick claimed that Brian went in for car insurance and came out with life insurance. Which I really love the concept of that being true, but I believe we have Mr. Bickle on the line because he might have some issue with yes, one of these stories. Because he said one of the two is true. Brian? Yellow. <laughs> so, which is the false tale? Well, the falling on the sleep was, uh, I, I can't, I'm, I'm a really uh, light sleeper, but um, there's one thing in my career that I've never done was falling asleep on the bench so the story was um i was in the box took a penalty came back on the ice i had a a long grueling hard shift went to the bench sat on the bench catching my breath not talking to anybody head between my legs just trying to catch my breath and then Obviously, there was a couple whistles that happened while I was doing it. I wasn't really paying attention. Look up. I'm like, hey, like, what's going on? We're short. Like, we need another guy on the, on the, on the ice. And obviously, those two were my line mates. Talked to the guys at the bench. No one really clued in. Jumped on. <laughs> grabbed the puck. Refs, like, whistle. Like, what's up? Like, you just took a too many penalty. <laughs> too many penalty. Then I get back to the, uh, the bench. Mike Havlin looked, just, just looked at me, and then he just pointed towards go, go to the box. <laughs> so, so he thinks you having your head down because you're tired was you sleeping. Yes, I, I guess. But the funny thing, he wasn't on the team. <laughs> he, he just heard the story. 
So it's like uh, the telephone game. The story is starting to be modified as it's getting passed down. Yeah, it's very, um, yeah. People people like to tell that story that a fell asleep on the bench. I can see it's funny that they could say it that way, but, you know, I they could look at it both ways, you know. Like, I, you could say I fell asleep or, you know, flabbergasted and say I really did. So, yeah, so then uh, the life insurance story is true. So we... Me and the wife, which was my girlfriend at the time, we went to get home insurance and car insurance, and then somehow we got roped in, in life insurance. I I can really recall. This is when I was twenty one. Um, yeah, I yeah. It was so like they, a better you get, you get yeah, swindled. I, I don't by, really know how the story went. By an insurance agent who's like, "Oh, this guy, what a rube." I'm going to get him for everything, and he did. Yeah, it was like a, a three-on-one combo. You know, you buy one, you buy two, you get the third one, three kind of thing. I don't really know what the hell happened there. Do you still have that life insurance, Brian? Yeah, you think I still have life insurance like that? <laughs> it was probably a $10 million policy or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hey. that's the... Uh, the gif between those two. Hey, Brian, so I was just talking about the 407 extension, a very riveting podcast conversation. Uh, it opened today. Did you go on it? The 407 opened the whole freaking thing? Yes. It, it started to build when I was like five years old. But here's the thing. <laughs> they put out the story. So it was uh, supposed to initially end, I think, in 2016. Then they moved it to 2018. And then they opened it today and they said, hey, it's ahead of schedule. I'm like, <laughs> what? No. that." Uh, they should have given us a goddamn deal if it was open for the first time today. I it know. ended in Orno. Yeah, I know. It should have been the Orno People deal. in Orno should get half price, 100%. So you didn't go on it? No. I, I only go on it. Um, if I need to catch a flight. Are you as ex- Because, Brian, Toolsy, this is the most exciting development in his life in a very long time. <laughs> He's very pumped about this. It is. It's, it is super cool for people out in the area. Out in the, out in the uh, boonies. Um, okay. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on, buddy. Oh, dang. You know, we've got any dirt you want me to pull up on him or oh, what? Oh, yeah. What do you have on Sharpie? Yeah, what do you have on no, Pat? No. <laughs> no, I don't want to bring in. I don't want to throw anybody on the bus. That's not who I am. What? Know? Well, you can be. This is your safe place, Bickle. This well, is you your know, safe place. You know, Sharpie, he's a pretty boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you could you could build so many stories into that. And, um, you know, good for him for what he's doing now for post-hockey career. And we knew it was going to happen. Um, it was a buildup of years, a handful of years before he retired that uh, this was his path. But, you know, hats off to him. He doesn't want to hang out at home like me. <laughs> <laughs> but did you, uh, so are you saying, Brian, that you always knew that this was uh, what Patrick would, would end up doing uh, based mostly on his looks and that's really it? Uh, and his, his geekness towards hockey, like he could pull up every stat. He could, you could name a player in 1982, which I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Rick and Vive. Like, like and name the way he shoots, like how many years he was in the league. I'm like, well, that's off you, Sharp. You're a super <laughs> geek in the hockey community, and this is your past for after hockey. Yes. 
Well, he's a hockey nerd. That's good. Hey, yeah. uh, did your dad make a brisket Saturday night? He did, yeah. You were in, I heard the invite was uh, extended to the Toolsy's house, but uh, I was there, and uh, hats off to the brisket, round two. It was better than the first one. All right, all right. Yeah. Toolsy, you missed out. I know. I'd uh, Kids, they wouldn't go to bed, stuff like that. You know, life. Oh, yeah, I don't have any of those. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bix. Hey, Bickle, are you excited about the pizzeria coming to town? Uh, Wackies? Wackies, that's, uh, yeah, there's a new pizzeria. Yeah. There's one thing that Arnold's, um, it's falling apart slowly, the pieces, and hopefully this pizzeria can. Oh, did we lose them? Bix? Oh, we lost uh, him. Okay, right. he's gone. All right. Well, we got to call our other guest. <laughs> uh, that was fun. Yeah. I like talking to Bickle. Uh, oh, I was nice so- guy. Wouldn't throw a, a Sharpie under the deck. Yeah. Uh, under the, under the deck. I was gonna wouldn't say. throw him under the deck. Wouldn't there, throw him on the poop deck. Because another guy by the name of Sharpie built my deck, but it wasn't Patrick Sharp. So that's why I said under the deck. <laughs> okay. okay. Wouldn't it be weird if Patrick Sharp did build your deck? Sharp as attack. Building with Patrick Sharp. Sharp construction. Yeah. Works. Right? He could probably do that. Patrick Sharp is kind of the kind of human being who you feel could kind of do anything. Like, he was like, I'm just going to run for office in Thunder Bay. And oh, be like, yeah, he's going to win. I thought you were going to say, like, something handy. I don't see him as being a handy guy. No, I don't see him as being handy either. But then he, how do we know he's not, right? They're handsome handy men. Look ho- at uh, Tim the Toolman. The Holmes brothers. Uh, no, I think you mean... Uh, the property brothers. The property brothers, yeah. Terry David Mulligan, are you are you a handy guy? Like, do you, are you handy around the house? Are you crazy? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm a sad, sad man. When it comes, I can I can fix certain things. Like I can, I'm really good at uh, splitting wood, stacking, curing wood, fireplaces, stuff like that. That's, that was my. I, I look after furnaces. I can do stuff like that. Yeah, I can do that. I can okay. light a fire. I can stack wood. But then I see, like, a, a friend of mine I'm following on Instagram, and he said, here's my uh, latest creation. It's for a wedding present. And it's like, it's a cutting board with five different kinds of wood in there. It looks like something you would pay, like, $300 for. And I'm like, I'm not a real man. Okay. I can't do that. None of us are real men. This We should have a podcast, the three of us, that's just called Not Real Men. <laughs> Terry? Terry? I'm here with you now. Oh. I'm speaking with you now. Oh, good. Hello? We thought we lost you for a second there. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> professional, professional broadcasters, here's the thing, a cutting board, that's food. That's How tough is that? You chop, chop food on it. Yeah, but it looked professionally done. Like, how do you oh, join no, no, another no. piece of wood to another piece of wood? You and just cut it and sand it. Boom, you're done. Listen, this, this is the golden age of cutting boards, my friend. This is, be- this is beautiful. It kind of is. There are a lot of nice cutting boards out And there. they're not cheap. No. Like, I, I ha- see a piece and- of wood, and I'm like, that'll be 20 bucks, and it'll be 180 But here's the deal. You can do that. You can get that, even especially if somebody gives you one. But you have to wax your board. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You got to wax that board. And Where, that's not a metaphor. That you have to wax the board, honey. Honey, be be honey wax. Now, Terry, where are we talking to 
because I was telling Dan, I, I don't know exactly where you're living now. You're not living in Victoria, but you are on the island, right? Are oh, you crazy? Come on, you guys. That's like saying, uh, you're, hey, are you in Truro, Nova Scotia? <laughs> it's, it's like I'm in the new space. So if you take the ferry from Horseshoe Bay to Nanaimo, and you get out of Nanaimo as fast as you can, and you head north. <laughs> the first town is Lanceville. The second town, uh, well, it's not even a town. It's Nanus Bay, and then there's Parksville and Qualicum. And uh, in Nanus Bay is this, this little two fingers that head out into the Georgia Strait, mostly uh, farms, but then the, the, the summer cottages showed up many, many years ago. And... Um, if you're lucky, you live in a house like I do, which is was built many years ago and has been updated and cleaned up and, and beautified, and and you can hang over the water now. Well, for many years, many many years, you can't build near the shore anymore, and so we're we're hanging right off off. The wow! Water. Wow! That and Terry, how did amazing. you how did you end up there? What did you always want to live there? How did no, that? No, happen? no, 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 no. It was we were in uh, um, Fort Lauderdale, North Vancouver, and and. Uh, uh, the, and our kids started having grandkids, and we realized that we were never going to see those kids if we didn't get our ass over to uh, Vancouver Island. And Meg had spotted this house a year previously, and she said, it's off the market, let's go looking, and we found it, and that's where we are. We're probably going to end up in Victoria, because it's such a cool, very cool town. It is. But, uh, but it's going to take, it may take one more move to do that. Okay. So are you in like a hippie central, is it? The, uh, the people no, just the have hippies, fled society? No, the hippies uh, were here. That, I mean, many, of the, uh, many of the vegan farming, uh, uh, the farms here, surrounded by organic farms, those were the hippies who got out of Kitsilano with their lives and their brains intact. And, and they, moved, they moved here, and they just made it a better place. There's, it's astonishing. If you are even remotely interested in the food that you eat, this is where all the chefs get their, get their vegetables and, and their, their chickens and their fish and everything. We are surrounded by the very best that you can cook. And then at one point, uh, when I first started talking to you, you were living in, uh, in near Penticton, uh, yeah, Naramata Bench. Naramata. You guys don't get out here much, do you? Naramata, beautiful, like beautiful spot. Lots of beautiful wineries. See, you, yep. you're a couple that is comfortable just picking up and saying, we're out of here, we're going to a different spot. Apparently, we have a five-year attention span. Right. Hmm. Uh, but our kids grew up in West Vancouver, so, I mean, we stayed there quite a ways. Uh, and, uh, Dan, you grew up in, like, uh, uh, White Rock or Burnaby or... Surrey or what? Dan's a Surrey boy. And not, not even close. I grew up in Peterborough, Ontario. I oh did my work, God. I did work in Ladner, B.C. for a bit, though. What were you doing? Yeah, I worked. Uh, I flew out of the Boundary Bay Airport because I did airborne traffic reporting uh, for the uh, country station in uh, in Vancouver. Uh, can you give me a can you give me a sample of that? Uh, and my name was Captain D. That's my favorite part. So. Um, well, my biggest screw up, I can give you that because I was uh, flying over the the Lougheed Highway and I said uh, the uh, the Lougheed Highway. Uh, so I I screwed up that my first day of uh, on air duties and I never heard the end of it because I was a kid from Ontario doing traffic in B.C. and I'd only been to B.C. once before. So I didn't know any of the real uh, uh, names. Yeah. I find it astonishing, by the way, just to, just going back half a second, that that um, that uh, 
a boy who grew up in Kelowna doesn't know uh, where the Naramata bench is. No, I, but I didn't grow up in Kelowna. I grew up uh, in Alberta. But I did spend a lot of time in Kelowna. But I didn't know what Naramata bench was really until about the time you moved there. And then I kind of learned that it was like a wine region. But we and didn't you go to Kelowna. No, no, what no, is you Naramata have, guys, bench? Guys, this is an amazing shelf that's, uh, that runs the length of the uh, the uh, 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 Okanagan, Okanagan Lake. Lake. And, and and it goes for about, um, you know, you can drive it in 20 minutes or so, but astonishing, the wineries on both sides of the road. Oh, yeah. your, your neck it gets jerked from one side to the other going, oh, I want to drink, I want to try that, I want to try that. It's one road. If you just take your time, you can do it in a day. But why would you leave that, Terry? Why would you leave that paradise? Because, well, because the kids wanted to see us, and they weren't coming up uh, to the interior. That was, <laughs> no, it's, it's all family stuff, you know. It is all family stuff. No, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, let's go back. I w- I'm very curious. How did you get your start? Like, like, what was your first sort of, like, radio gig? What, what got oh, you man. into the business? It was, uh, well, f- beyond just grade 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, where I was the guy... Uh, who played records in the gymnasium uh, at noon during the food fights? And was it uh, was this in Vancouver? Like, did you grow up in Vancouver? No, no, that was in North Camelot. My father was a game warden, so we went where he went. Right? Okay. We grew up, we grew up in North Vancouver and North Camelot, and um, uh, and then uh, I had to get out of there, and so I, I joined the RCMP because I was comfortable doing that. I, it was an honorable thing to do, uh, and I, 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 as soon as I thought about it, I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. So I ended up, uh, we trained in Regina, definitely, yes. and um, ended up in <laughs> in Olds and then Red Deer, Alberta. And in Red Deer, the British invasion hit the airwaves, and Hal Weaver was the disc jockey. He was just passing through. He, he was spending like eight months there and then moving on to Chum. And and uh, and, I, and the music just drew me, just like uh, uh, like uh, uh, Howlin', uh, Wolfman Jack. Just like Wolfman Jack, I had to see what was going on in that control room, and as soon as I saw it, and I saw Weaver, I went, "That's me. I got to do that," and wow. that's what I did. And what year would that have been, Terry? Uh, Sixty to sixty-four. I was a Mountie, so it was sixty-four. Just just as the Beatles showed up, sixty-four, sixty-five. Wow, this is crazy. And you, so you see this, you're you're like, "I've got to do." So then, what's your next step? What do you do? Do you just do you just hang around the station until they give you a, a job? I, I, well, I saw him doing his remotes at the A and Dub, and I said, <laughs> I, I, "I'd love to do this." He said, come up to the studio, went to the studio. I did it. I yelled into a microphone, and he said, you got a job. And uh, I was a Mountie and a disc jockey at the same time, and the Mounties were not happy. <laughs> so then one day I phoned my dad and said, Dad, um, uh, I'm going to leave the RCMP. To do what? I'm going to be a disc jockey, Dad. And yep. he hung up and didn't talk to me for a couple of years. Wow. So, so <laughs> Jeez, really? For a couple of years? Yeah. So oh, much man. to unpack here. Uh, you being a Mountie, like, how long were you a Mountie for? Four years, four and a half years. That's incredible. Did, Did you, you fire see any gun? Yeah. Of course. Really? You have to do, you know, there's... there's in training, yeah. Well, no, in training, but I mean, when you're out in the field, um, there are things that you have to do that you don't want to do. Uh, horses are get hit by cars. You've got to put them oh, down. Oh, okay. You know, okay. Uh, but you didn't have to pull like a gun that. on another human or anything. Like yes, that. I did. Really? Yes, I did. Oh, my goodness. But, but uh, I just uh, talked him out of it. I said, you don't want to do this. When you sober up, you'll be really, really, really sorry that you did this. 
So we worked it out. Okay, oh, good. Thank Ooh. God. Uh, and your dad being a game warden, so he was just catching poachers and people hunting out of he, season? He was, he was a hard ass. He was just an unbelievable guy. He was like, it was, he, I had kids who just wanted to thump my brains out because my dad had taken the confiscated their their fishing rods and their and their guns uh, he was he was a terrorist he really was <laughs> and, and he was serious about it too he was very deadly serious and i you know I, people can't understand this but our house was filled with guns behind every door were rifles that he had confiscated that were for you know court appearances but i mean hundreds of guns in this house and we were, had been taught from day one don't touch that gun. Don't even think about it. Wow! But it you didn't the- listen. Surely you took a couple out into the woods. No, and- I no, I. T- but I, I took paid attention to the fishing rods because I turned myself into a pretty good fisherman. <laughs> That's um, great. So, well, were those guns if they're for court cases? Should they not have been filed and kept in a well, safe? Well, that, that was filing. That was his filing. It was. His <laughs> it's true. So, and, and you know, this was North Vancouver, and then uh, North Kamloops, and then when I joined the RCMP, he had, he headed up to uh, Williams Lake, and then uh, out to the coast to uh, Seashell Gibson's. He had a great life as a game warden. And then, you, so you're in Red Deer. You're working there. Where do you go next? Um, I actually, I went to. I started in Red Deer. I went to Calgary uh, uh, CJCA. I think it was, and um, they. Oh, it was rocking my brains out until they went all country. And uh, I ended up at CJME and then CKCK in Regina. And that's where Red Robinson phoned me and said, you want to come home? I said, yeah, man. Yeah, get me home. So I ended up at CFUN in Vancouver and then CKLG and then started CKLG-FM, the first underground FM station uh, with, that became CFOX. And what, was, what year would that have been that you started then? 78, oh no, 68, 68, 67, 68. So in, it, it, now this is the amazing thing to me. At, at, as this is all happening, are you getting to know some of these legendary musicians at this point? Yeah. Uh, getting horribly drunk with Janice. Janice Joplin. Uh, uh, and, and walking the streets of Vancouver with uh, the Doors, Jim Morrison, looking for, uh, looking for books. Uh, all of them, all of them. You could, they were approachable. You could talk to them. They were in Vancouver. They were relaxed. And, um, and was it like you were? Inter- they would come in to do interviews at the station, and then they'd say, "All right, well, now we need something to do. Show well, we me just, around." We just hang out, or I'd go to sound check and do the interview there. <clears throat> and and uh, uh, the, the sad thing is, boys, I, nobody ever thought to keep tape. It was real to real, right? Because you know you'd see him again in six months. Why would you hold on to a tape? You'd, you could record over it and do another interview. Oh man, incredible! Yeah. So incredible. any of those acts where you uh, they came to Vancouver, you did an interview, saw their show, and you're like, man, these guys are going to be massive before they are massive. Did you see any of those? Oh yeah, well, the faces, Rod Stewart, wow. early on, yeah. I saw you too when it, when the, the when the door was ninety nine cents. Oh my god! At the, at the Commodore Ballroom. At the the U two played the Commodore. They, they did the first time they played Vancouver was the Commodore Ballroom. Hmm. And you saw Hendrix, you said as well. I did. Well, I I was at that time doing CBC television, and they had the clout to get a Jimi Hendrix interview, and all three of them showed up, and we did a half hour um, interview with the three guys on a couch. So, and 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 here's the deal. I thought I knew what I was doing, <laughs> but I realized about halfway through the interview that, in fact, 
Hendrix was laying down little uh, 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 Vancouver references, and I, and I thought to myself, he's, lived, he's been here. He knows Vancouver. He knows high schools. He knows kids. I, I, I had no idea that he had spent uh, several years of his life in Vancouver with his family, his, his in-laws, because his father was, uh, he just couldn't get along with his uh, father. Well, you oh, wouldn't know right. that. You didn't have a computer to look that up back then. But I, but I still, I know, I should have asked somebody, somebody somewhere. It's my one great regret that I didn't know, because I would have run with that for half an hour. And then you said you saw the, where did you see the Beatles? I saw them in London. Uh, I saw George in Los Angeles. I had a nice interview with George. Um, I saw the boys. They were in the middle of recording uh, Sergeant Pepper. And uh, I was over there. Um, I can't remember if I was with the Guess Who or if I was there uh, um, covering their uh, label and their clothing store. I got sent over. And um, we all went to the same club. And we were waiting for There was a power trio playing, and I don't know who it was. It drives me crazy. But three of the four guys were there, uh, and I talked to them between sets. Uh, and McCartney and I got along quite well when we realized that we were both born within days of each other. Wow. That is That's unreal. Insane. That's um, yeah. insane. Wait a minute. You were over there with the Guess Who, so you, uh, I'm thinking you must have spent a ton of time with those guys in the 60s yeah, and, and 70s. And how, oh, yeah. big were the, how big were the Guess Who? Because they were massive, right? Well, they were big. You know, they were big on the prairies. If you wanted a band for your grad or or some big event, it was the Guess Who that you wanted to get your hands on because that's what they did. But it wasn't until they did These Eyes, and then all of a sudden everything took off from there. And then you know, and uh, but that was an ill-fated trip to London. It, did, it didn't work out well at all. It was embarrassing. Why? Wait, why? Well, because they were promised tours and dates, and nothing happened. It was all bogus. Oh all bogus. no! They did a couple of television shows, and we came home and. And uh, none of the boys talked about it after that. But I, I remained good friends with the guys. You've probably known Brian Adams before anyone knew him. I actually knew. I, the first time I saw Adams was at the, um, the gardens at the PE, the, the long, thin hall that uh, is for first timers coming through. And he w- it was the first gig that he ever did um, subbing for What's His Face, for that band, What's His Face, that sang What's His Face. Um, he was just the lead. He was the lead singer for about a year, while oh. he got his bearings and got his chops, and uh, and then that, that's when. Uh, and the first time I saw him, first time I talked to him, I thought this is nothing's going to stop this kid. This kid knows exactly what he's doing. He was a kid, and and we were both North Vancouver guys, so we hung out, and it was uh, it was great fun watching that story unfold. And then you, uh, there's two things that. You know, for me, I really remember you by Good Rockin' Tonight on yeah. CBC and yeah. and Much West. So let's start with Good Rockin' Tonight, Friday nights, incredible show. Appointment the, viewing. It was such, it was so good because you. I was always blown away at the access you, like you guys had great interviews. Yeah, yeah. And it really was, it was the first um, um, serious um, music show, even though some of the acts were lame. Um, the the fact still remains is there was you didn't you couldn't find rock and roll on rate on the television, and 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 I, well, here's what I heard for all of these years since Good Rockin' Tonight, and that was that show saved my ass. <clears throat> we had no rock and roll where I grew up, and 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 that's how I got my music fix. Right, it right. was so important. You know, if you were a certain age, you know how important that music was. 
to get it. it. It seemed like you were stealing music. It was fantastic. And that's what we did. We just kept, kept trying to throw in new stuff there. And did you ever get to see ratings? Because everyone knows that show uh, from our age group. Here's the deal. I, I kept trying to tell the CBC that they had a hit. And I couldn't convince them. They were, you know, we were, were we were shooting it in a rehearsal studio. We were borrowing uh, cameras and, and crew. It was they were, they did and not, they just didn't get it. They didn't get it at all. Hmm. They and had then, no idea what they were sitting on. And then Dan has some experience with uh, Moses Neimer, so I have to ask you. Uh uh, you're, you're like the first time you met him. How like were you guys close? Did he did he ask you to no, sit on his casting no, no, couch? No, come on, there's, there's no close. <laughs> there's no, no close. He's his best friend. <laughs> I Mo- uh, Moses, no, no, no. He uh, here's the, I realized that the only way I was going to survive around Moses Neimer was to stay on the west coast, and and he would be in Toronto, of course. And that—that's our relationship. That's what I was, you know. And I admired the man for everything that he had accomplished, and his vision, and his and, and his guts that he had to step out and do things, and you know, and and say this is what I'm going to do, and then he would go and do it. But um, I I just couldn't hang. I you know I I couldn't hang around. It was it was not good because I, I couldn't hold my tongue. Right. Mm. Why? Because you you didn't like the way he was doing things, or no? You... I just had my own opinion, and I and I, I don't want to be told what my opinion is by someone else. And and but you... but, I, but uh, listen, he he he's the guy that got me that much music and and gave me all of the. Here's what he gave me: the create. You guys understand this: creative freedom. You can't put a price on creative freedom, where you're free to do what you want to do, and nobody's hanging over your shoulder. It's true because you really. You had that whole side of the country to yourself. They and, left me alone. Right, right. And and it was a huge part of much music. It was a huge yeah. part of the identity of it. And yeah. to his credit, you know, we always talk about, uh, you know, TSN and how we focus on Toronto. And we, we don't pay enough attention to the rest of the country. To his credit, he obviously heard that and addressed that by having you do a show from out there. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, I, somebody had said, no, have him come to Toronto. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. My value to you is to stay in Vancouver. You're calling yourself the nation's music station, and you have no presence on the West Coast, the western part of the country, nothing. You show up every three or four months with a camera crew and think you're actually representing the country. You have no idea what you're doing out here. And, uh, and my wife at the time was hitting me in the back because I was talking to Moses, and she thought I was going to lose. The, I was going to lose the job before I ever got started. But that's what I believe. So I just said it. Uh, Terry, we have to dive into something here before we let you go. And we discussed this when we appeared on your Super Bowl, no, your Grey Cup podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, you revealed to us that you were at the last waltz. You were yeah. at that concert. It's incredible to me. How, so you were friends with Robbie Robertson? Is that kind of how that Maybe happened? describe Last Waltz yeah. for people that don't know. Yeah, well, Terry. Well, 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 Last Waltz, the reason why the guys were at Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco for the last gig of the band. You only Really, there's a whole other generation is just discovering with all of the re-releases how important the music was from the band. Four Canadian guys and, and a guy from, I think from Carolina, if I remember correctly. Um, and I've probably got that wrong, and somebody's going to just kill Levon. 
Oh, yeah, Leave on Helm. Um, and, and thank God he was the lead singer for most of those songs and the drummer because he was a funky soul. And and um, uh, I was working with the CBC, and Robbie knew the CBC, and he said, let's get Mulligan down here. And, and he they paid for the ticket to go down, and uh, I was in San Francisco for that Thanksgiving. And I just, I was in there for the sound check and just stayed in the room. Did you know the at the time that it would become what it is? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I mean, you knew the lineup. I mean, look at it. And, and, at the, and that moment I told you about, that is a pivotal, sensational moment for me, not for the rest of the Americans in the room, but for me was when Neil Young, you got, you got four of the five guys from the band, and then you got Neil Young comes out. Neil starts to sing. You can hear Joni singing in, the, in behind stage, behind the curtain, and then she comes out, and then they're all on stage together, and... I'm thinking, and Ronnie Hawkins is there, and I'm thinking, this, we have stolen the night. This is, was <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, thank God they recorded it. And, you know, I saw Robbie later when he was mixing down at, at Paramount, and I walked in, and there was a, he, was, he was blasting Dr. John at full volume. And the VU meter at the bottom <laughs> of the stage was about 10 feet tall. It was meant for balancing what you wanted to see and be at the back of the room to watch the movie. So after that concert, what was the after party like? Was everyone getting along then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, I mean, I wasn't allowed to the after party. There were, no, no, you had to be royalty. You, I just went and had a meal. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it was a sensational night. Uh, and as I told you guys, I, I can play it back in my head. I can see it. I got all the visuals all locked in because I, 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 I hit record when I walked in that room. It was fantastic. And, I, and Robbie and I talk about it a lot. He's, he's still stuck in that room. Me too. I love that. And, and, and there was, you know, there's the famous story of uh, Neil coming on stage and uh, he's singing Helpless and he's got an entire <laughs> wad of cocaine lodged in his nose and they had to digitally remove that. So did, did you witness any of that uh, backstage no, you know, shenanigans? It was, no, it didn't. None of it. For me, it was about the music, actually. I didn't need to hang. I honestly didn't need to hang. I'd, and, and because Dylan was back there, the security was, was very heavy. Uh, and uh, I, just, I just decided I was going to be a fanboy for the night. And, and watch the whole thing unfold. And, and that's how good it was. It was fantastic. So wow, would you describe so cool. that? Would you say that was the greatest concert you ever attended? Well, I, I did go to the concert, at the, the first concert at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. I was there for the opening. And that was a pretty nasty concert. Everybody, you know, as, good, as big as you were, the most you got were three songs. So and, who played and, that? Uh, well, everybody, Springs, uh, you know, Jerry Lee, uh, 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 Little Richard, all the, uh, the uh, whatever originals they could find, Fast Domino, but, but all of the, it, it, it is a sensational, I think it's a three-disc album, piece of vinyl. Hmm. It, was, it was the opening night of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it was at Cleveland uh, Stadium. Speaking of vinyl, how many pieces of vinyl do you currently own, Terry David Mulligan? I've been doing a lot of culling, boys. I don't know about you, but they take up a lot of space. Yeah. I've got maybe a thousand, but man, they are. Many of them are signed. They're they're kind of like the, what you had, you know. Yeah. And I I still mix. I just finished doing my Christmas show, one of my Christmas shows, and I mixed a, a vinyl um, MP3s, um, uh, even a forty-five, 
and and um, what they call uh, CDs. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, when when's the book coming out? Oh, the book came out. Well, it's out there. Where? It, it where is it? Went. Why haven't I it's read it? It's because it was published by a publisher who I, they I never. Uh, it's a long story short. They just they they dropped the ball. Okay, let's and, let's and, not look and, at the past. Let's look toward the future. <laughs> let's get a new publisher. Yes. Let's do a new book because you have to you have to buy the, you have to buy your rights of your life back again. And then I'll do it again. I, I promise you, I am going to rewrite that book. Okay, it was, good. It was a good read. No, it was a good read. And I have people still tell me that they enjoyed the book, but I've just got to do better with it. Okay. All right. Well, I'd love to read it. Maybe I'll go look for it. On, I'll try you to know, track it down. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've been talking, what, 15, 15, 20 minutes. I'm dying to ask you guys questions, but it's your show. I can't ask you questions. You can ask us Because we can do 20 minutes just on you guys. But we're out of time. This is the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I love how you just said, you can hey, ask wait us a anything. We're wait a minute. <laughs> the first thing I ever heard about podcasts was there's no time limit on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Except our, see, we do our show, this, yeah. this is 9.30 now, Eastern, yeah. and we do our show at midnight. So now we get yeah. ready for the I'm TV sorry. show. I'm so sorry. And we have a meeting uh, that uh, we have to. Uh, we're going to be talking about YouTube stuff, Terry. YouTube now. It's the Did you hear YouTube's big now? Are you happy to be home? <laughs> uh, very happy to be home. Yeah, that's a great question. It, you know, it's been really nice being back here, uh, having our own studio, basically our own crew mm-hmm. for the most part. It's been really, it's been a great, uh, it's been a great return, I would say. And you know what I've done, Terry, that I maybe didn't do fully when I lived here before? Mm. I embrace winter. Wow. Yes, I dive in head first. When there's a snowfall, I am giddy. Well, what about when it's raining? Ah, f- that. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, I think Dan really wishes he was back on the West Coast all the time. Like I think, yeah, on, on that plane. Hey, you didn't. I asked you a question, Dan. Give me a. a, a, a what was it like? Give me your, a, a report from that plane. Give, By the give way, me 20 I'm, seconds. I'm glad you brought that back up because one of the other, we were, uh, what was the, the country station? CJJR yep. in Vancouver. And yep. the, uh, the AM station we did the traffic for was one of your first stations you said you worked for, CFUN. CFUN. Yeah. And Red Robinson was just in his last, last days there at CFUN. Uh, and CFUN was uh, also was the first uh, FM sort of format on AM. It was crazy. Latrimo was there. Uh, Hal Weaver was, was there, believe it or not. Tim Burge, who, who changed uh, uh, genres. Um, uh, and, 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 and the Wolfman Jack of Vancouver. Um, uh, uh, oh, my good. We had so many guys. Tony Parsons. So, you know, Tony. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Thank uh, you. A, a bit of inside baseball here. Do you ever sit down with our good friend Joe Leary and talk about uh, Vancouver Radio because he is an encyclopedia? He is an encyclopedia. We 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 meet twice a year at the the, the original white spot on uh, Georgia Street. The, all of the, the jocks, all of the announcers, and and news people, and that's when I see Joe. He has a, a beer show that he has on radio here in the he West does? Coast as well. He does it live in a bar, and I don't know how he finishes the show. <laughs> no idea. Jay met him for the first time when we were in Vancouver, and he's uh, been a buddy of mine since 2001, and, uh, yeah, just a good guy. Fantastic. You should get back. Listen, if you're coming my way, 
Let's at least go salmon fishing. You could, do either one of you know how to pick up a rod? Yes. Yeah, but I would rather just sit and have dinner with you and drink copious amounts of wine. Oh, sure. Okay, we can do that. Let's do that. And, but the thing how is, about we do both? How do I, exactly, Dan. Exactly. Why can't you do both? Yeah, that's a good point. We could do both. That would be fun. Do you ever way, make it out here, I, Terry? Like, do you ever come out to Toronto and hang? No, never. No, not in Toronto. No. Not in here's, here's, Listen, here's, here's what I do for you guys. This, this is a, I'm patting myself on the back. I punch out, you know, analytics and all that stuff? Yeah. I find you on all the channels that you're on, and I watch for 10, 15 seconds, and then punch to another one. I and I give you that. numbers out here. You are huge in the news bay. You know what? That is very kind of you, because that is exactly what we're looking for. Uh, people like yourself who are tuning in, and also uh, other people who are just falling asleep in front of the television, but still allow us to get the ratings point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Terry, we gotta we gotta let you go. We gotta go to this YouTube meeting. Oh yeah, go do that. Um, and watch out, watch out for my new show. Okay. Oh, what's wh- that? What is it? It's I'm breaking the news story now. It's called the Original VJs, the Much Music Original VJs. We're getting together for a syndicated radio show. Are you wow. serious? That's yeah. wild. Where can we hear it? Uh, wherever the syndication people uh, place it. So uh, uh, can you give us some names? Who, who's involved? Uh, there's Erica M. Wow. There's Crazy Steve Anthony. Steve yeah. Anthony, yeah. Yeah. There's Chris Ward. Christopher Ward. There's Master T. Master and T. Mike, Mike, Mike Williams and myself. Wow, that is the original D. Wow, that is awesome. That what, is exciting. Yeah. What, what about uh, Kim Clark Chapness? He's not involved. No, he's probably writing another book. That's right. He wrote the much music. What about Campanelli? No. Uh, he was b- He's busy. He's he's just pretty. He's pretty. Yeah, uh, he, he, he was radio. later too. He wasn't an original. He's oh, not yeah. going to do radio. He's pretty. Yeah. Oh, JD Roberts. <laughs> much like also. yourselves. John Roberts not available right now. Yeah, that's right. he's a little little tied up. He's preoccupied. I look forward to that. That sounds like a blast, man. I love. It. I just love talking to you, Terry. Thanks for taking um, the time. We for were us. supposed to have this meeting start four minutes ago. No one else is oh, here for one, the meeting. One more, <laughs> one, one more question. One oh, more question. Okay. Will you guys? Will you guys appear on my podcast? Oh yeah, anytime. Yeah, well, of course. Mulligan stew. Yeah, we uh, we we just appeared on it for the Great Cup, but I would love to get on and just talk uh, all sorts of fun stuff with you because. It felt too short. I, I listened back to your podcast, and it was a, a singer-songwriter you had at the very beginning, and then it was us, and you had him playing tracks, and it was very... I was really impressed with the Mulligan Stew podcast. So, yeah, we go on. And, and you need to talk to one of your friends for me, Jason Priestley. He used to send me emails of um, wines. Uh, he doesn't send me emails anymore. I feel uh, kind of jilted. I'll, I'll, I'll have a talk with Mr. Priestley because he, he knows his wines. You know that. He loved that Dan bought wines at the BevMo. <laughs> that was one thing. I that was remember. my Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hanging out in Toluca Lake. By the way, it's just I'm going to lay this on you as the last thing. Okay. The the guest on the current edition of Mulligan Stew, the podcast, is um, is Tony, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. No way. What? Yeah, that's man. His, one uh, of the, one his of the Instagram two is uh, amazing. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, that sounds amazing. So, Mulligan Stew Podcast, get it wherever you get podcasts. Uh, latest guest, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Incredible. Tony. Call him Tony. Tony. Tony Hopkins. And, uh, Terry, this has been a pleasure having you on. I uh, hope you have a terrific night, and we will chat very soon. 
Say hello to producer Tim. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye, Bye, Terry. TVM. What Bye. a guy. That Terry was David fun. Mulligan. That was fantastic. Legend. Man, he has lived a life. Uh, so so cool. uh, we mentioned uh, my friend Joe Leary. He sent me a text on the way here, and he said, bartender today looks a lot like Movember J. Does that guy look like you? I said, He's given you too many drinks. Yeah, and that's a beard. Is that at the uh, Shark Club? Looks like the Shark Club. That looks like, uh, I don't know. Hey, uh, we got to go. Uh, we will chat with you next week. Next week on the podcast, Gary Roberts. Wow. Gary we, we Roberts. We keep having um, guests booked in advance. Yeah, we're sort of organized. So and he's going to come on and he's going to work Dan out. And then are we uh, off for Christmas? We're off the week of Christmas. Right. So uh, the so the week of December twenty third. So. So don't expect anything from us then. Yeah, and you don't owe us anything either. And, and maybe not the week after. We might take a couple of weeks. But no, until then, we'll talk to you next week with Gary. Uh, our YouTube meeting. Uh, we got two guys who showed up. <laughs> like you said, nine thirty. Yeah. Do people not know? Hey, I. Everybody has a different concept of time. <sighs> it's nine thirty seven. It's 9.37. That's seven minutes after the meeting was supposed to start. We better wrap it up. There's, it's about to get tense in here. <laughs> oh, there's Tim. Tim showed up. Oh. Okay. Well, you didn't show your face. They're going home. is the Jay and Dan podcast.
James Duffy presents the Rubber Boots Podcast. So we're sitting down at our table. The, the waiter comes up and he's like profusely sweating. <laughs> and this is like 100% his first line to us. He goes, Hello, I am not well. I'm very ill. <laughs> You ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.